Hello friends, today we are going into chapter 12 of Matthew. As always, before we begin, let us go ahead and cover our word that we're about to receive in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for the people in our lives. Thank you for every blessing that you pour down into our life. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've brought to us each and every day. Lord, we pray for the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to really grasp the word that we're about to receive, to put it into work into our own lives, and to be able to share this with whoever needs to hear it. Help us, Lord, to bear the fruits of your Spirit in everything that we do. Holy Spirit, be breathed into us today and guide us with each and every step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so this first section is called, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for them to do, but only the, for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This next section is called God's Chosen Servant. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. This next section is called Jesus and Beelzebul. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. 
Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How, then, can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. This next section is called the sign of Jonah. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house is unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. This last section is called Jesus' Mothers and Brothers. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So that is the end of chapter 12. I really want to focus on verses 43 through 45, where he says, 
When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So I had to reach out to my friend Larry Sesser for this because I couldn't find a good understanding of the verse. So this is what Larry sent me. So the word arid means dry or waterless. So Jesus explains what happens when an unclean spirit goes out of a man. The term unclean spirit is another name for a demon. Jesus says the demon passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. It is not certain what Jesus means by waterless places, but from the context, it seems to apply to being in a state of not being in a man, which could reference that a human body primarily consists of water. When the unclean spirit is not inhabiting a human, it cannot find rest as it passes through these waterless places. The rest it is seeking appears to be a possession of another person to torment. So when it does not find rest, the restless, unclean spirit says, possibly to itself, I will return to my house from which I came. After going out of a man, the demon comes back to his house, the man, in order to find rest. And when the unclean spirit returns to find the house empty, the emptiness possibly being the absence of the Holy Spirit in that person. So he goes back and finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. So the man is spiritually empty and unoccupied. Jesus says that the house is swept and put in order to indicate that the man is ready to be reoccupied. So the unclean spirit does not immediately go into the human as we expect it to. But instead, it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. Instead of moving in immediately, it finds other demon friends more wicked than itself. And then they all possess the man together. Perhaps this restless demon, who has been evicted once, recruits reinforcements to better secure the potential to remain in possession of the man. Instead of being agitated by one unclean spirit, the man is now afflicted with eight evil spirits. Jesus points out the last state of the man becomes worse than the first. It is bad for a man to be the host of one demon. It is worse for that man to be the host of eight. Jesus then likens the demon-possessed man to this present evil generation. He says that is the way it will also be for this wicked generation. What does Jesus mean by this comparison? He may be trying to describe the nation of Judea. The account that Jesus just gave about the man, the unclean spirit, and the seven other wicked spirits may have allegorical meaning in addition to being a literal description of the supernatural evil. The metaphor might be as follows. The man is Judea, or the spiritual leaders of Israel, such as the scribes and Pharisees. 
The unclean spirit is the sin of pagan idolatry, which the children of Israel and both the northern and southern kingdoms constantly struggled with until the Babylonian exile. The casting out of the spirit is the Babylonian exile and return under Ezra, Nehemiah, and later the Maccabees when the Jews renewed their commitment to the law and God's commandments. But even as they externally pretended to keep the law, they did not do so. Because they did not obey from the heart, they neglected the core teachings and spirit of the law, even as they praised God with their words and external rituals. Internally, they were empty and unoccupied. When the unclean spirit of paganism returned with the Roman occupation, it found the Jews ready to be repossessed, but instead of merely reinstituting the old forms of paganism, the unclean spirit also invited seven other demons, such as religious legalism, social elitism, and sectarian strife, at which point the Jews were in a worse predicament than they were at first. If Jesus had something like this in mind, then his point is that this present generation had become worse than the unfaithful generations throughout Israel's history. I really feel like I understand the verses a lot more now that I was able to read that. So thank you so much, Larry, for sharing that with me. I think this is a really good indication that we should check our hearts whenever we are praising God, when we are praying to God, and whenever we are doing anything from the commandments, you know, we need to make sure that we're not just doing it because we're told to do it. We need to make sure that our heart is in the right place and we're actually seeking out God and not people's approval of us. I hope that you guys enjoyed this message and till next time.